Hey everybody, welcome back. It's Han Talks First, episode 18, and I'm joined by a very special guest today. You are not going to believe this. I can't believe it, but uh, today I'm joined by Obi-Wan Kenobi. What's up, man? Hello there. Yeah, man. It's great to finally have you here and talk Star Wars on my podcast. What's this? What? Uh, a podcast? It's that talk radio show. I come on here every week and I talk about your galaxy. I told you about it, remember? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, so what do you think of it? I know you've listened to a couple episodes and I would really love your feedback. You want to go home and rethink your life? You're an asshole. I didn't say anything. This show means a lot to me. I get to talk about what I love and what I love is Star Wars and I get to talk about what I want to talk about, and I get full control over the graphics, the music, the the topics of discussion. I like to think of it as my new empire. Your new empire? Mm, yeah, too much. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's it's really nice to have you here. Uh, I know you told me you'd love to have be a guest on the show a few months ago. And uh, I'm sorry it took me so long to get back to you. And I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message. Yeah, I know, man. I'm so sorry. I've I've just been really busy. I got a lot on my plate. But anyway, we got people listening and a lot of news to share. So let's jump right into this. Uh, just you and me. I have a bad feeling about this. Ben, damn it. Are you going to be negative this whole show? I didn't say anything. I'd just appreciate it if... You didn't just come on here to make it look like I don't do a good job or I don't know what I'm doing. So can you just tell me something positive about this show, please? Good job. Okay, whatever. I'll, I'll take it. Let's start with some uh, announcements from uh, D23. Uh, well, guys, I mean, this is pretty exciting. We just got the Obi-Wan Kenobi Disney Plus series announcement. And it's going to start shooting in 2020. Woohoo! Another happy landing. I couldn't have said it better myself, Obi. So, tell me, uh, how does it feel to come back to the Star Wars universe and reprise your role as one of its most beloved characters? You must feel on top of the world. I have the high ground! Yes, you do. Uh, I would love to know a little bit more about the process of getting this started, because uh, there's so much that we don't know still about this show yet. I mean, did you have many conversations with Kathleen Kennedy or any of the showrunners? Uh, how did you get this uh, off the ground? The negotiations were short. Hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they were. Um, well... Guys, uh, like, I, like I said, uh, it was pretty cool. We had the announcement at D23. Kathleen Kennedy came on. They, they talked about a bunch of stuff, and then at the very end, she came on, and she was, she was, brought, she was like, I'm going to address all the fibs and the fairy tales and everything that's been going on on the Internet, and we're going to bring out a very special guest. And she brought out Ewan McGregor, who I'm with right now. And um, he came out, and he was like, Kathleen, please... Ask me if I'm ever going to come back as Obi-Wan Kenobi. And she was like, Ewan, 
will you ever come back as Obi-Wan Kenobi? And he turned to the crowd and said, yes. And everyone went fucking crazy. And there was a standing ovation. And it was the only standing ovation at Disney Plus, by the way. Just got to throw that out there. It was really cool. And it was so emotional. I just, I like, I wanted to cry. It was, it was so cool. And, um, but, um, but uh, Obi-Wan, uh, did, uh, I'm curious about like, you know, getting back into this character with the, the new movies and everything. Um, did you have any talks with some of the current showrunners like Ryan Johnson or, uh, uh, JJ? Did you talk to JJ at all? I have seen a security hologram of him killing younglings. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's, that's not the kind of news I want to be breaking on this channel. Uh, sorry, but we're... Well, well, ben, 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 where are you going, man? Why don't you listen to me? No, 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 it's, it's not just... That's just not the kind of stuff I want to talk about on my podcast is all. It's, it's not what this show is about, you know? It, it's just too inappropriate. It'd be like if I talked about that time we were on Kate and Amodia and you had a threesome with those Gungans. That business on Kate and Amodia doesn't, doesn't count. Hey, wait, Ben, come back, man. I didn't mean it. Where are you going? For a drink. Okay. Well, guys, I guess I'm going to have to go solo on this podcast, but this is Han. Let's jump into it. We got a lot to talk about. This is episode 18. Han talks first. Last or over the weekend, we had D23, where we got a whole bunch of new Star Wars news, such as Obi-Wan Kenobi, Resistance, Cassian Endor, Mandalorian, Episode 9, <gasps> interviews with the cast and crew, and information on the new Star Wars hotel. So we're going to jump, we're going to cover everything. We're going to talk about all of it, and uh, this might be a long podcast, because I went through every interview, I went through all the... Uh, um, the clips from the panels, except the one that showed the sizzle reel, the film panel at D23. But I don't think anyone who wasn't there has seen it because they keep that on lock. Every time footage of it comes up, it gets taken down immediately. Disney security is really top-notch. Their PR is like the best in the world. But I already talked a little bit about Obi-Wan. There's not much more to say about it because, well, that was really all we got. We got confirmation that it's going to happen, and they're going to start shooting in 2020. The scripts are written. There are six scripts, so it is going to be a six-episode miniseries for Disney+. Plus. Ewan McGregor's coming back. That's all we got. That is all we know. If there's time for this episode, I'm going to share my thoughts on how I think the story should go. I've been writing a Obi-Wan Kenobi fan fiction on the events between episode three and episode four, which is when this will take place. And I just kind of want to get it out there before everyone else starts talking about their theories, because I think mine's pretty, pretty cool. Um, not to brush my own shoulder too much, but <clears throat> I really like uh, the stuff I came up with, and I want to share it with you guys, because a lot of people soon are going to start having similar ideas taken from Star Wars video games, some 
EU or legend material and uh, just theories that people come up with because sometimes people are on the same wavelengths and come up with the same things. So uh, we're going to start really quick with uh, Resistance. We'll get the small stuff out of the way. So Resistance Season 2 trailer. Uh, I talked about it last week. It already came out before D23, but learned out, learned, I learned out. <laughs> I learned some more about Season 2. So this one's going to take place during The Last Jedi. So maybe we'll figure out why some of the Resistance didn't come to Leia's call. Just a theory, but I might end up watching this show. I know last week I said I wasn't going to watch it because I'm not interested in the children demographic of it, of its uh, aesthetic, but I might because it sounds really cool. It said it's going to continue on through The Last Jedi, and it'll stop right where The Rise of Skywalker will take place. So it sounds like that year gap between Episode 8 and Episode 9 is when we're going to get The Resistance Season 2. Next up, we're going to talk about the Cassian Andor miniseries for Disney+. They had a very short panel where Diego Luna and Alan Tudyk came out on stage with Kathleen Kennedy, and they kind of just shot the shit. They didn't really say anything about the show. I think because it's still really early in development, I actually think that this is going to shoot after Obi-Wan, believe it or not. Um... The Obi-Wan series was in development before the Cassian Andor show, so it makes sense. I don't know if that'll displease a lot of fans or get them less excited, but that's that's just my theory. Anyway, um, Alan Tudyk made a, a joke that he would prefer the name of the series to be titled K2 Fast, K2 Furious, and Cassian Andor. I thought that was funny. Um, <clears throat> but... Uh, like I said a couple weeks ago, um, I thought it was going to be about um, Andor, Cassian, and K2's uh, friendship before the uh, the events of Rogue One. So that just confirmed it. No idea what it's going to be about. I mean, obviously it'll be about the Rebellion, and but I don't want to see much more leading up or surrounding the events of A New Hope because I, I, I think A New Hope should just stand alone. Um, if, I don't want too much thrown around uh, the the centerfold of what started Star Wars. But I think that's what they're going to do. And um, I would be interested to see if John Knoll, the guy who wrote the story for Rogue One, was going to be involved at all. But we'll see. Now, I think Cassian Endor is going to have a similar tone to the Solo movie. And... This gives me a good opportunity to give some feedback to somebody who reached out on Twitter at Mikar Mentions. He asked me uh, about a week ago for my thoughts on Solo, a Star Wars story. Uh, he said it's uh, one of he, he's one of the few people who liked it, and he wanted to know my thoughts on it. So. Let me jump into that and explain a little bit why I think it'll have a similar tone to this Cassian Andor show. So, for one, Cassian in Rogue One is very similar to Solo, Han Solo in Solo. Not Han Solo in the original trilogy or Force Awakens, but in the Solo movie. 
if that if you followed that it made any sense at all. <laughs> um, first of all, thank you, Mikar mentions for reaching out. Um, I want to start to do more of this, um, uh, having a, a dialogue with the people on social media. So if anyone else has questions or wants to know my thoughts on something or wants to shout out your own theories or uh, anything, I, I'd be happy to do it. Um, that's what this podcast is all about. So let me talk about Solo real quick, my thoughts on Solo. I was not excited when I heard they were making one. I do love Han Solo, and I was excited about the idea, but, and I was excited that Larry Kasdan was on board. And I really didn't get excited until I found out that George Lucas had already been developing a Han Solo spinoff. So, and I, I'm a huge fan of George Lucas, even the prequel stuff. Love it. Um, so once I heard that news is when I got really excited. And then I found out that they were going, they, all he did was just express the idea of wanting to do a Han Solo side story. Uh, but he wasn't actually directly involved, and he didn't create a treatment like he did for Episode 7. So that's when I kind of started to lose interest again, but they had Larry Kazan on board. For those of you who don't know, Larry Kazan wrote The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, along with The Force Awakens, but he's one of the OGs. So <clears throat> my interests were uh, kind of like, I'm going to go watch it because it's Star Wars, but I'm not, I'm not as hyped as I am for The Last Jedi or Force Awakens. So I saw it opening night, and when I got to the... I got, I got tickets in advance, and I went to go see it at the Grove Theater. For those of you that live in L.A., you know which theater I'm talking about. And I thought, well, this is like a, a popular hotspot movie theater, so it's going to be packed, it's going to be crowded. But opening night on that Thursday at the first showing around 8 o'clock... It was me and there was five other people in this massive auditorium. And I was like, am I sitting in the right theater? I was, I was really shocked that there wasn't that many people there because for The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, it was nothing but lines and shoulder-to-shoulder people. No matter, I saw Force Awakens in North Carolina and I saw The Last Jedi in Beverly Hills and both had the same type of scenery for that opening event. So I was very shocked that <clears throat> we didn't have that for Solo. Kind of had it for Rogue One, but it was definitely not as much for Solo. A lot of people complain that on that with the marketing, and but I didn't see that. Um, anyway, the movie started. Now, I haven't watched it since that one theater experience, so it's a little fuzzy, but um, I, I, I wasn't... I wasn't um, captivated at first um not until we met Chewbacca I did I liked Kira in the movie um but I think she was underused a little bit I really wish we got to see more of her and yeah I I really wasn't my attention really didn't go in fully until Chewbacca came on the screen and I was like yes Chewie and I thought it was really cool that they tied it into some legend material of how they met, um, Han and Chewie met, which was in an Imperial uh, prison. And then everything else surrounding that, their escape, and Han speaking Wookiee, and that was all new. But I thought, oh, that's a cool nod to some of the extended material that is no longer canon. Um, I, I didn't really enjoy... The uh, 
Beckett character, the guy, um, the actor who played him, uh, Woody Harrelson. Um, now that's just because I don't like Woody Harrelson that much. I, I haven't seen him in anything that I really like him. I think it's just his on-screen personality. He kind of plays the same guy every time, but I've never really liked him. He's a good actor, not bashing his performance in anything, but I didn't like Beckett and he was a very instrumental uh, character to have to influence Han to be the person he becomes in episode four. So that was really important for me to want to connect with that character and I didn't that much. And I think it's just because of the actor choice. But I did like his little band of uh, a motley crew, you know, with the John Favreau creature, I forget what it was called, but the guy with like four arms or whatever. I was sad that he died early. I was sad that the um, wife of Beckett died early. Um, I was a little confused on why she died. Like, why she, I understand she sacrificed herself, but I feel like there was a way to get off of that railroad and still blow the charge. Maybe not. Maybe she dropped the detonator or something like that. She had to do it manually. I forget. I did enjoy the train heist. That was really what they marketed this movie on, and I thought it would be a little bit longer. I did not like Imphis Nest, the villain in this movie, um, because I think it just, I don't know, they made it sound like a guy, and then it ended up being a girl, and that just felt really forced. And then the message at the end of her, it was like, well, something about, like, we're going to stick together and beat these people or whatever by doing exactly what you're doing, and it just didn't make sense to me, and... I don't know. The main like twist in that movie was that she was a girl, and I just didn't like that. It it was too it was too forced for me. Um and then the whole ending scene with um his psych out with the uh the I don't know what the stuff was, the triaxium, the stuff that um Dryden Boss wanted. And I did like Dryden Voss. Dryden Voss was cool. He had a very serious, very uh, menacing uh, tone to him. And I think he was played well. So that I did enjoy. I wish there was more of it. And his connection with Kira was a little, uh, it was a little weird. It wasn't very explained that well. But when he died, and at the end, of course, Darth Maul comes up on screen and it shows that he was the head of the whole entire regime. Um, and the leader of Crimson Dawn, which for those of us who knew about the content before the movie, we know that he was ahead of it. So I wasn't too shocked to see him at the end. I was shocked that they put him in the movie. I thought that was cool. And at the same time, I was like, oh, man, everyone else who watches this is going to be so confused because not really many people watch The Clone Wars. But that part was really cool. And I think they got that right with Ray Ray Park um, and the guy that does the voice and... Uh, just the correct lightsaber and everything, and I, I would love to see more. Now, what the reason, the main reason why I didn't like this movie because because my expe- expectations were that we were going to see a, friend, a more of a, a building of a friendship between Lando and Han, and the winning of the Falcon, which we got, but I wish we had more Lando in that. And what I really wanted to see was a love triangle between Lando, Han, and Kira. And the fact that these two both want the same girl. She has a relationship with both of them at separate times. And they fight over that, and that's why they separate. But I wanted to see more of a friendship. I wanted to see them do stuff together to go on an adventure. And I also wanted to see Jabba. 
I love how they introduced him at the end, but I don't like how he just acquired that debt just because he was with Beckett and Beckett told him about it. And he took on that debt so he could go meet Jabba and hopefully make some more money. I, I don't like how that was set up, really. Oh, I also don't like how he got his name. I, I thought that was so cheesy. And the guy that uh, delivered that line in Solo, hmm, Solo. I, he was like, you could see it in his face. He was so happy that he got to say that line. He's like, I just gave Han Solo his name. But anyway, uh, I did laugh at that moment. Um, but the main reason why is because everything I wanted to see and I thought I was going to get in the Solo movie is everything that they set up to be in a Solo 2 movie. So really, from the beginning, I was excited for Solo 2, which is probably not going to happen. And if it does, that's cool. I'm going to go watch it. But like Jabba, uh, uh, the, the relationship between Lando and Han and Kira, and... Now, I guess, more Darth Maul. But really, everything I wanted was set after the events of the Solo movie. That's what I really wanted. Uh, I didn't really want an explanation to how he got his name, how he got his gun, how he got the dice. I didn't, I didn't really want any of that. I, that's, that's all side stuff that really doesn't matter to me. But that's why I didn't like it. Now, I will say some good things about it. The music was really good in this, in this movie. John Williams contributed to the theme of Han Solo. There was never one written prior, so he got to come... He said he just wanted to write the Han Solo theme and then be done with it, and then hand it over to the new guy, um, which who did a really good job, I think. Um, you know what? Let me go back and talk about the intro of that movie real quick, because I did like how it started. It felt like a war movie, uh, like, but it, it felt too much like a modern-day World War II movie, and that kind of took me out of the whole galaxy far away aspect, and it felt more realistic, more relatable, which I didn't care for. Uh, and one of the reasons why I didn't like The Last Jedi, it was too uh, parallel with uh, our, our world and, like, some of the jokes, some of the skits, and uh, some of the, like, animal rights activism. It was too similar to what's going on here. I didn't feel like I was taken out of this world to play in this galaxy. But... Yeah, I did love the music. That was great. And uh, one more critique about it. It was really dark, literally. Like, you can't see much of what's going on on screen. I don't know why that was the choice, but I, Star Wars movies are typically really bright and flashy, especially the prequels. And it's filled with red and blues, and uh, it shows the the huge yellow in the deserts. And then if you're on the forest moon of Endor, it's very green and there's different tones set through the color of the movies, but solo didn't have any of that. Now it might be because they're trying to establish a character he comes from a dark past and he lives a dark underground lifestyle and that's okay. But when it's to the point where I can't see what a character's face is making in a scene that, that bothers me. So that's my thoughts on solo. I kind of want to move on, but I think, I think that this is what the Cassian Andor series is going to look like. It's going to look like Solo. I'm not excited about that. I wasn't excited about Cassian Andor from the beginning because I think he's a flat character, just as flat as Jin was in Rogue One. I think uh, Felicity Jones is amazing and beautiful and great at performing, but um, she didn't have much to do in Rogue One. Same with Cassian Andor. They were both kind of flat in that movie. 
But that's my theory on what Cass, uh, the Cassian Andor TV show is going to be like. It's very similar to the solo tone. Um, so uh, McGar mentions, if that's not the response you were hoping for, I'm really sorry. Um, I, I did still buy the uh, DVD, and I, I'm going to watch it from time to time. Um, and I've accepted it into my Star Wars canon world, but uh, not one of my favorites. Um, but I'm so glad that there's people out there like you that do enjoy it, and people with uh, some other podcasts that I know that um, are part of the Make Solo 2 Happen group. And, you know, if you're passionate about something, just say it. Just go for it. Um, and talk to me on Twitter some more. I would love to know why you love it. Um, explain to me that, because maybe you can sh- pick up things that I didn't, because everyone has a different experience when watching a movie, and um, yeah, just tell me your thoughts. Let's talk more. Anyway, let's move on to some of the bigger news in the Star Wars announcements at D23, such as The Mandalorian. So, there was a lot, there was a lot covered here, um, more so than there was at the Star Wars Celebration. First thing I'll say about it is some of uh, the words from John Favreau. This is on how he decided to come up with this idea for The Mandalorian. So it was that after he experienced some of his voiceover work on The Clone Wars being a Mandalorian, he was very obsessed with that world and that mythology. And also prior to that, after watching A New Hope and experiencing the first... 20, 25 minutes where they're in the Moss Eisley's cantina and uh, seeing all the scum and villainy and the, the, the bounty hunters around him and the wanted men and that there's so much going on in that room and there's so many stories to tell. And he wanted to know more about the people in that room and the underground uh, crime world. And so that's how this story came to be from that and from his experience on the Clone Wars. And I think it's really smart that he brought in Dave Filoni because Dave Filoni is one of the key creators of Mandalorian culture, at least in the modern era of Star Wars making. So the, we, got the, we got a trailer. Um, I think they got one at Celebration, but publicly we all got it this time. And whoa, <laughs> I, I, uh, I was excited for the Mandalorian, okay? But I was not very as excited as I was for the movies when they come out because I'm not a TV guy. I don't like television shows. I don't like the pacing of it and um, the how it's focused on... Television is a character-driven format, and movies is a story-driven format. So I prefer the story over the characters, I, and I, I like things at... Um, and not over long stretches of time. I like it all at once in one simple hour, hour and a half to two hours, whatever. Um, except when it's Star Wars. I can't wait for a three-hour movie. JJ, wink, wink. But um, Mandalorian. So I wasn't too excited. I was excited, but not as much for the movies. And then I saw the trailer, and I was like, oh, my God. They're actually making this, like, a theatrical event. Like, this is cinema. It's not television. It's going to be on Disney+, Plus, but it's not going to be like uh, Game of Thrones or something like that. You could tell from the vibe instantaneously, how it's shot, um, how uh, the effects are in play. Anyway, it starts off with a shot of Stormtrooper helmets on spikes and laying on the ground covered in blood, dirt, dust, everything, showing that the um, the, the Empire's fallen and uh, there's uh, 
a new regime trying to uphold the power in the galaxy, and it's kind of uh, disarrayed between different factions of people, and one of them being the group of bounty hunters. And I, I think that was a great way to start it because it, it definitely shows, hey, this takes place right after the Return of the Jedi. There's no more Empire. Uh, then we see a great shot. First of all, that shot where he's the Mandalorian's walking in the desert and the sunset behind him is beautiful. It's already iconic, and uh, that's like the main uh, poster, which, oh, we got the poster too. <laughs> the poster looks so good. Um, anyway, we saw uh, one of the first looks at the Carl Weathers character, Grief, and uh, I'm really excited that he's in this show. You know, I would never have guessed that Carl Weathers would be in Star Wars, but when you think about it, it makes sense. He's got that uh, that spunk and that uh, charisma to be in a Star Wars show, especially when it's about bounty hunters. <clears throat> and uh, Gr- I think Grief is going to be a character that hires the Mandalorian to take out these bounties because we see them both sitting down at the table in the trailer and he puts down a chip, which I believe is a hologram that shows uh, whatever bounty that he's supposed to go get. And the Mandalorian takes it from him and it looks like he trades some other bounties that he's already caught for him. So it seems like he gets a lot of business from this grief character. Uh, There's some theories going around that grief is going to betray him. I don't believe that at all. Uh, I think they're just going to have a really uh, interesting boss employee relationship and that could get difficult you know there could be time zones or anything but another thing that could cause challenges for this mandalorian character is once you pick up a bounty chip um like we see in the trailer it's only it's no longer exclusive it's only to that hunter so i think that this character might be the kind of guy that tries to steal other hunters bounties And so that's what could cause problems for him. We do see at the end of the trailer um, some some creatures frozen in carbonite. So I think um, he takes that idea from uh, Boba Fett about when he froze Han Solo in carbonite and then goes to collect his bounty. So I really like that tie-in. He just collects his bounties in carbonite and gives them back to the people that um, placed a number on their heads. And, oh, the other thing that was really cool was the blurred creatures. You know, that those big, uh, deformed, ugly-looking T-Rex things with the giant-ass head? Um, they're, riding, they're riding those creatures. Uh, what are they called? The, the Quarren? Uh, I think that's what they're called, the, the little fish-looking creatures, Quarren. They were in the Clone Wars. But also, the blurred creatures were in the Clone Wars, too. And it was really cool to see that live action. And it looks like it's mainly puppeteering, creature, practical work, which is really cool to see. Most of the show is actually practical effect. We saw in the celebration footage them actually building the models and uh, filming them on green screen, similar to how they did in the original trilogy. So he's bringing in that practical aspect of how to shoot practical effects and putting it back into modern world, which is really funny because he just did The Lion King, which was like entirely CGI and he like broke grounds with it and can, probably has access to whatever he wants, but he decided to go back and go old school with this. So I think that's really cool. Um, 
One of the shots that stood out the most to me was the Western gunslinger shot where he's got his hand on his pistol and he like whips his cape around to the side and he's in a standoff with someone else. That really is going to, that really establishes what the show is going to be like. It's going to be a Western. It's going to be a space Western. So, which is essentially what a new hope was a space Western. So it's going to be a very similar to the original trilogy, but that's the most iconic shot for me. And then also IG 11, which I mistook for IG-88, and he looks exactly the same. <laughs> but we saw a shot of him, like, spinning around, shooting stormtroopers, and it looked wicked cool. Didn't think we'd get to see something like that. But IG-11 is played by Taika Waititi, so you can expect him to have some sass and some uh, witty comebacks similar to K2SO. But... Taika also stated that he gets mistaken for IG-88 in the show a lot of the times, and he addresses that in the show. So I imagine that'll be pretty funny. He's walking around. Someone's like, oh, IG-88, what's up? And I, no, I'm IG-11. And um, <laughs> just imagine Korg from Ragnarok as IG-11, and that's, that's what you got. But it's IG-11, guys. It's not 88. It's a different model. Ironically, it's a younger model, but a older character, if that makes any sense. Anyway, it uh, looks like the Quarren is going to be some of the main uh, somewhat villains in the show, which is really cool. I think the makeup and creature effects look really good. Good job, effects team, uh, uh, makeup team, whatever they're called. And also, the last thing I'll say about... Actually, i got two more things. So, we saw the stormtrooper helmets on the ground, and we know it takes place after the fall of the Empire. But why are there death troopers and clone troopers? They were both in this trailer. Now, we do know that this is going to take place somewhat on Tatooine and somewhat on the Outer Rim, which it seems like we're getting really into the Outer Rim in these most recent Star Wars stories. And I think this is what's going to play into the rise of the First Order and the resistance, because we all know, like I mentioned on my podcast a couple weeks ago, that the first order was created in the outer rim from the ashes of the empire. So, I believe we'll see that transition from empire to first order, and we're going to see little tiny groups of empire uh, leftovers, small commanders, or whatever. Maybe a cameo from Thrawn. Hear me out, because Thrawn exists in this time period. Uh, This is when he starts to rise and takes over Emperor Palpatine's position. So maybe they're under his command. I don't know. That'd be really cool if it was, and I know a lot of fans would really love that. And Jon Favreau has said that they're they're throwing in Easter eggs from the prequels, the sequels, the original trilogy, the the animated stuff, and the Legends material. So we could get Thrawn. But anyway, that's an interesting thing to think about. Empire is over, but there's still stormtroopers and death troopers around. Very interesting. Uh, The most interesting thing about the show to me is the Mandalorian himself. We haven't seen his face yet, and I honestly hope that we don't. I think he makes a a more interesting character when he doesn't show his face. You know, in the old Western movies, the main character, um, aside from the John Wayne movies, because, well, you'll hear why in a second, um, the main characters don't talk. It most of the action is taking place through their body language or in the, uh, the, the, the so like if 
in spaghetti westerns, it's it's typically a, like standoff scenes where men don't talk to each other and they just like circle each other and they dramatically draw their weapons and there's little talking. I I would love that to transition into the Mandalorian show. I think it would make the Mandalorian a much more interesting character. And I also am a big fan of Halo. And in the Halo franchise, we never see Master Chief's face. And I would love to see that taken to this show. It would be like a really cool tease if like he takes off his helmet sometimes and it just goes to a reverse shot at the back of his head, things like that. But knowing Disney and knowing how how much people need to connect with characters in television right now, we're going to see his face. As disappointing as that is, but I mean, think about Boba Fett. He was one of the most popular characters of the the original trilogy and we never saw his face and we didn't have to. He had little to say. Uh, he's, he's the kind of guy that just wants to do his job, make money, and continue on with his life. So that's all my thoughts on The Mandalorian. I'm really excited now. We're getting it November 14th, the day Disney Plus goes live. So get ready, guys, because it's only a few months away. And it's, it's going to be great. And uh, it, it's already been greenlit for a season two. John Favreau is writing it as we speak. Uh... I'm going to save the episode nine stuff for last. So now I'm going to talk about one of the other things that was announced at D23, and that is the Star Wars Hotel. It looks really cool. Um, I actually didn't know that this was happening, so it was kind of a shock for me. Uh, my girlfriend Leia, she uh, she showed it, showed me the first images of it. It looks really cool. Honestly, it looks a lot like. The George Lucas Modern Art Museum that's coming to California. So maybe they took some ideas from him to create this. But um, it's a very immersive experience. Apparently, you can only book a minimum two-night, three-day stay. You cannot do singles or I think you can't. Let me see real quick. It says here you cannot do singles or three-night stays. So actually, you're required to only... The max and minimum you can do is two-night, three-day stays at the hotel. So it comes with... uh, It reminds me of that um, Magic Castle Hotel. There's like four or five of them in the world. It's like this huge amusement park inside of a hotel. And it had like magic wands where you can interact with um, pretty much everything. You can open your room with the magic wand and purchase things with it like that, uh, kind of like Harry Potter World, but <clears throat> it's not Harry Potter World. It was it was before Harry Potter World, but this seems a lot like that. They, apparently, all the windows and stuff display um, like green screen or TVs and showing you a 360 outside world. It, it's, bas- it's a ship. You're on a ship, and it makes you feel like you're in space, and you can see the galaxy around you, and it it's constantly moving in this giant VR world. Uh, so you see planets pass and stars and ships, cruisers pass you and stuff like that. Really cool. Everything in it is made to look like the interior of a spaceship. It's, um, it's, it, it, looks, it looks really, really cool. Here's some things that Disney had to say about it. So it's an opportunity 
Opportunity to live your multi-day story as it unfolds and interweaves with the crew, other passengers, and Star Wars characters. Throughout your journey, you'll share your adventure with some interesting characters, some of whom you'd be meeting for the very first time. Some you already know, but it's because this Star Wars you might because this is Star Wars, you might suspect that not all is going to go according to plan, and we must travel with caution. So, I don't know. It's basically a Disney cruise in space. <laughs> They'll have, like, tons of games and stuff. It doesn't look like it comes with a, a park pass. There's nothing about that. There's really not much information on it. Um, but it looks like if you go to this hotel, that is the amusement park. Um, I don't think there's much entering and re-entering or exiting uh, while you're there. It looks like there's going to be plenty of to do while you're in the hotel. So, I don't know. It doesn't sound like a place you can just stay casually. It sounds like a place you go to get the full experience. Now, the one thing I do <laughs> want to stress is the price for this thing. So, you're required to book a two-night, three-day stay. And when my girlfriend was showing me the pictures and stuff and telling me about it, she was like, can you guess how much it was going to cost? And I was like, oh, average hotels, probably like a hundred bucks. This is a little bit bigger, a little more. I'm going to say 200 because it's Star Wars, 200 a person or 275. I forgot what I said. And then (laughs) she scrolled down the page to the, uh, the number and the price per person is $3,300 $3,300 to stay at the Star Wars Hotel. <laughs> Nobody's going to go. <laughs> Unless you're uh, Elon Musk and uh, you purchase tickets for everybody or, you know, <laughs> I just don't understand. And apparently you stay in a cabin, a room that's fit for five other passengers. So it's it's kind of like a, a suite. Um, and there's rooms... Uh, uh, connected to the main living quarters. Um, so you stay with five other people. And if you if a family goes, for example, a family of five, the cost to do that is $7,200. <laughs> and I don't think that's going to include food, um, parking, or pass, and ent- like entry to the parks. I think that's just the hotel. <laughs> it's insane. Um, it's... Uh, name is going by the Star Wars Extension Resort, um, or the Star Wars Resort. I just <laughs> think it's funny. I, I'm not going to go. As much as I really want to go, uh, there's no way in hell that I'm going to fly to Florida, which is already a lot of money, and pay to stay at a place that I'm probably not going to want to leave because I put so much money into it, so I wouldn't get to, like, explore florida or have that much fun outside of this hotel i mean it's insane like an average trip to disney is five thousand dollars if you're like with two people and you're going to florida for example um but this for just two nights three days over three thousand dollars it's not including tax convenience fees uh cleaning fees food that's insane guys that's insane. I'm not going. <laughs> I will watch footage of all the press that go and stay complimentary um, for the uh, PR of it. But uh, there, there's, uh, it's kind of sad. I'm, I'm not going to get to go experience the, the Star Wars Hotel. Um, 
That's crazy. You know, I might actually submit myself for the press experience um, with the podcast, and that way I could get full coverage and video and come back and show you guys on the YouTube channel. Plug for the YouTube channel, Han Talks First. I really don't put that much up there except for, like, trailer reactions and stuff and um, uh, theory videos that are a little bit um, more interesting. Um, so go check it out if you got the time. Um, but that's the, that's the Star Wars Resort. In addition to that, they also announced the Avengers Campus, which is coming to Anaheim. Um, that looks really cool as well. It actually, don't tell anybody, but I think it looks cooler than the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Um, <clears throat> you didn't hear that here. But, uh, so, yeah, that's the Star Wars Resort. Um, it's only going to be in Florida. Um, I won't get to go. A lot of you listening probably won't get to go. And if you have that kind of money, um, you should reach out to me on uh, Instagram and become my friend, and uh, you can uh, get a ticket for me to go with you, and we'll have a lot of fun. I'll buy you uh, a, uh, a Star Wars toy um, as, a, as a thank you, and uh, I'll give you a, a, a shot, uh, some spotlight on, the, on an episode. Um, the other thing that they're promoting with the park is that you can do Jedi training in the resort, um, like in uh, A New Hope when Luke is playing with his lightsaber and trying to dodge the uh, uh, the bullets from that little blue, uh, not blue, the little white training ball. Anyway, that's the resort. Next up, we're going to go right into the hot topic of D23, and that's all the stuff about Episode 9. I'm going to jump right into the poster what we got an amazing poster a lot of, a lot of people are like making fun of those who like it but cuz it looks you know i mean it's just it's just a teaser poster it's a it's a d23 poster it's not the official official poster um i mean it's the official poster but it's not going to be the one that's like in the movie theaters and stuff but it looks really cool it we have um let me pull it up here so i can describe it a little bit better for you guys Star Wars Episode Nine poster. Okay, so we see a lot of uh, red and blue contrasts in this poster. Uh, it shows Rey and Kylo uh, fighting on this little uh, beam of metal. Uh, I'm going to guess it's from a ship, maybe the Death Star, something like that. Um, Kylo has his helmet on. And, uh, well, in this fight, Ray's going to lose because she does not have the high ground. <laughs> Kylo has the high ground. Um, just a joke. We all know Ray's going to win. Um, but really cool. I think they pushed back the date. I remember it was December 14th, and now it says December 20th at the bottom. But anyway, so it shows them... Uh, in like a, a standoff with red lightning on Kylo's side, blue lightning on Rey's side. So I'm wondering if that's going to, if they're both going to use force lightning or not. Maybe not, but uh, it's something to acknowledge. And then, of course, at the top, we see Emperor Palpatine's face, which made me so happy, mainly because we only heard his laugh in the teaser trailer, so that implies that he may not be in the movie but that he'll just be a um, a uh, a referenced character. Um, but now that we see his face on the poster, 
it tells us that he's going to be in the movie, which is awesome. You don't just put a character's face on a poster and he's not in the movie. Um, so, and if it is, that's that's really cruel because. <laughs> but anyway, um, Ian McDermott re- retweeted it. So, and he said, "Evil is so cool," or something like that. And so, it, it's it's official, guys. Emperor Palpatine is going to play a, a a role in this movie. And I'll get into a little bit what the uh, <clears throat> uh, the cast said about his presence in the film. Um, but you can tell that Emperor Palpatine is behind it all. Literally, in the poster, he's behind everything. So <laughs> uh, it's really cool. I love the poster. A lot of people are saying it looks a little cartoonish. Who gives a fuck? It's a poster. The movie's not going to be a cartoon. Like, what is. <laughs> a lot of people are like hating on this poster. I don't understand why. It's just a poster. Um, wait till the movie comes out to start your complaining, okay? There's no point in complaining about it right now. You haven't even seen anything. Um, <clears throat> so that's the poster. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about um, the sizzle reel that they showed that was not made public that I talked about earlier. Um, it just showed a bunch of BTS of filming some old footage from 7 and 8, and then it showed a little bit of new footage, some of which showed Darth Vader's helmet, um, showing itself from this casing, and when the casing opens, dry ice smoke comes out of it, um, and Kylo's looking down in it, so he's definitely trying to preserve the helmet as long as he can. Um, so maybe Darth Vader will have a more of a presence as well, um, at least by force vision, or um, may, maybe Anakin's going to come back. I, I don't know. But uh, another theory is that Emperor Palpatine is speaking to Kylo from Darth Vader's helmet. And that's how he's learning about the dark side. So he doesn't know that it's Darth Vader. He, or that it's Emperor Palpatine. He thinks it's Vader. And that's how Palpatine is manipulating Kylo. That's really interesting. I would love to see that um, unfold in The Rise of Skywalker. And then at the end of the sizzle reel, they also showed um, Rey um, having a conversation with Palpatine. And he says something to her, and then we see Rey, and she has dark cloaks on, the dark hood, dark Jedi, uh, or Sith attire, and uh, similar to how Luke Skywalker was in Return of the Jedi. And she's wielding a double-bladed lightsaber. And the lightsaber is red. It's a Sith saber. Um, I haven't seen this. I've heard everybody talk about it, and I've even heard the cast and crew talk about it in their interviews. So it's real, guys. And I dropped my episodes on Monday. They did say that they're dropping this footage to the public on Monday. So you probably already seen it and are hearing me talking about it uh, like an asshole because I haven't <laughs> physically watched it myself. Um, but expect uh, another video or another podcast episode on the breakdown of that sizzle reel and possibly a trailer, which we're getting on Monday as well. But that, that's what was in it. So what could that mean for episode nine? Does, does Ray? Um, is she a Sith now? Does she go to the dark side? Um, if she is a clone, is this another version of that clone that is the evil version of herself? Or is she possessed by Palpatine and turns to the dark side? And Kylo has to, he has a revelation and decides this isn't the way to go and he has to bring Rey back to the light. Who knows? But it's it's coming together, guys, and it's going to make for a very exhilarating film viewing experience and I, I'm, I'm really excited 
Uh, I'm going to jump into a little bit about what the cast and crew said in their interviews, mainly with Variety and Good Morning America. <clears throat> First off, I want to talk about Dio, the cool new droid. Um, looks like a little puppy. And the reason he is a puppy is because he is actually a rescue. Funny, huh? So Kathleen Kennedy, the president of Lucasfilm, said in an interview that um, Dio was rescued by BB-8. And he... And that's how he joins their the little resistance crew. Uh, I really like that because it shows a development in BB-8. He was rescued by Ray, and so now he wants to help rescue other droids. And he rescues Dio, and then they join him on his on their little adventure. Uh, so it's kind of going to be like best friends with BB-8. Uh, I really like that actually. Um, <clears throat> they're going to make one of those little remote control things for Dio. I can already call it like and i'm totally gonna get one he looks really cool like a little duck puppy but um uh that's that's the history we know on dio right now and um what else was i gonna say about dio uh there's something else but uh, anyway i'm gonna move on to uh some other quotes from the guys mainly about uh, Ray and Kylo's relationship. So it's it's funny to watch the cast interviews <clears throat> about this movie because they can't talk about it, and them trying to talk around it is like a little cringeworthy. John Boyega is the one who like fully is like a closed book, and he knows how to talk around things. But he also is like a huge tease because <clears throat> he's like. Uh, Finn messes with the dark and the light a little bit, and he uh, he likes to wake up one day and he's good, and the next day he's bad. You have to interpret that as you like, and uh, blah blah blah. Um, it was a terrible John Boyega impression, but <laughs> uh, it's just funny to watch them in their interviews or whatever. So here's a quote from Daisy Ridley about Emperor Palpatine's presence in uh, The Rise of Skywalker. He's the biggest baddie in Star Wars history. Now that we've done the story, I'm like, I couldn't have, it couldn't have happened any other way. It had to be that. But he's very instrumental to the plot of this film. It's not like he appears again and it's all explained. So <clears throat> there you have it. That's the confirmation. He's going to play a big role in this film. He's going to be on screen. He's not just going to be a reference character or a, a, a voice recording or an old hologram message. You know, He's, he's going to be there, and that's, that's what we wanted. I really hope it's Ian McDermott. I hope they didn't replace him. Um, I can see them doing that, and there's a rumors with Matt Smith playing him. Uh, I don't, I don't want that. I want, I want Ian. He he's been in everything uh, from the beginning uh, till now, and he he loves his character and put a lot of work into it. Here's what John Boyega said about Palpatine's return. <clears throat> I think the Emperor has his doctrine, ha- and his. I think the Emperor and his doctrine has trickled down to so many of the characters in the Star Wars universe. The dark side, it is what it is because of a lot of his actions and plans. To have him come back, he's like the greatest foe, the greatest enemy. I mean, we might as well take him down properly this time. So, again, confirming that Palpatine's in it and he's behind it. He was behind everything from the beginning and he's the biggest baddie of them all, as Razy Diddley says. Um, The one thing I didn't like about what he said was that um, we might as well take him down properly this time. I don't like that because it kind of negates how Luke Skywalker took him down originally. And that was the biggest moment for not only him, but also Darth Vader's character because Darth Vader is the one that um, 
switched to the light side because of Luke, and he destroyed the emperor because he was the only one who would be able to do that. And because, <clears throat> because he did that, he died. He risked his life. He picked him up, and he himself was uh, shocked through the force lightning, and that caused his suit to malfunction, and he was already weathered, weathering away and got his hand chopped by Luke. And uh, part of what kept Vader alive was Emperor Palpatine being alive. So I don't like the whole take him down properly line because he was already taken down properly and very effectively in The Return of the Jedi. But, <clears throat> you know, it's not like he said this with full confidence. He's just he's just talking about it, and he's trying to promote the film, so I get it. But I don't want people to look at it that way. It's like, oh, they failed in episode six. Um, Darth Vader didn't really take him down. I don't want to retcon the previous films, you know? Uh, not even not even The Last Jedi, as much as I dislike that movie. I don't want them to retcon it. I want them to continue on and fix mistakes by adding to it or making it um, better. But uh, killing Emperor Palpatine was not a mistake uh, from the beginning. Uh, some other character quotes. This is from Carrie Russell about her character Zori Bliss. Um, she said, I had an amazing costume, and this is and this helmet, which I actually love to wear and didn't take it off for the first two days. I found it strangely empowering and exciting. Zori Bliss is very cool and a bit shady. She's kind of a criminal and sort of an old friend of Poe's. Uh, she did mention that they have a history uh, on an uh, interview with Variety. And uh, what's his name? Poe Dameron, the actor. Oscar Isaac. He jumped in and he said, yeah, their, their relationship is very intimate and they have a past. So I have a theory that they are ex-lovers. And when Zori comes in, she comes in from Princess Leia's call in episode eight and didn't realize that Poe would be involved. But then there's, um, they're going to have kind of a, a tussle uh, because, <laughs> Gary Russell, uh, they're going to have a, a wrestle because of Finn's relationship with Poe and how much they love each other. So uh, he's going to be a little, uh, <clears throat> a little uh, protective of his, of his Poe daddy. Um, also, Jana, I don't know who the actress is playing her. I don't know her name, but she said she didn't say anything about her character except that she's a fierce, powerful woman uh, and she can use a bow and arrow. Uh, again, I'm I'm tired of people explaining their characters as a uh, just a powerful woman. Uh, there's so much more to a character than that. Uh, give me I don't know just a little bit more about her. That that really tells me nothing um, about who it is. We don't have uh, Poe coming on and saying he's a strong, uh, fierce male character it's just it doesn't make sense you know it, it, of course they're going to be uh powerful male and female characters it's star wars that's that's what it's about um but i, I just i want to know more that really tells me nothing about what um jana is gonna play in this role um i think she's gonna be friends with finn maybe a love interest maybe a um <clears throat> uh descendant of lando himself uh, he wasn't at D23, which is kind of weird. I kind of wish he was there. I would have loved to hear more. Um, Anthony Daniels also shared some. He was there, and he said that it was uh, 
it was a very emotional experience being his last film and ending the saga. His last scene he did, there was no dialogue from him, just action, and he said it was kind of a good closer, and he said this is the most satisfied he's, he's felt, and he was satisfied that this, this was his goodbye, and he's so satisfied with the film. Everyone's saying that about this, um, and I'm really happy to hear that, especially coming from a legacy character like Anthony Daniels, <clears throat> C-3PO. Um, some other things that they said was um, JJ. Uh, everyone's stressing the relationship between Ray and Kylo. Um, Daisy Ridley said that their relationship is connected and that it plays a big part in this film, as it should. Uh, JJ, so all the JJ, Daisy Ridley, and Kathleen Kennedy were asked to describe Ray and Kylo's relationship in one word. Daisy said. It was connected. Um, JJ said, I forgot what he said, um, intimate or uh, something along those lines. And Kathleen Kennedy said, very, very complicated. <laughs> uh, it was funny because I saw that, that clip of them. She was like, describe it in one word. Daisy was like, connected. JJ was like, intimate and Kathleen Kennedy's like very very complicated and she's like that was three words <laughs> anyway uh that's the big stressor in this um press packet is the relationship between Ray and Kylo which um has been since episode seven not that much in episode eight that was more Luke and Ray um and Finn and Rose <laughs> And um, so that's uh, that's really all I got for you today. Um, the main thing is the poster. We, if you're listening on Monday, happy Monday. Uh, we got the the footage released today, and um, I'm going to go watch it right now, actually. And, um, yeah, expect an, an episode next week where I talk about that. And also next week I'm going to talk about Galaxy's Edge in detail because I'm going there this weekend. I'm really excited. It'll be my first time. And uh, I've wanted to go ever since I first heard about it a couple years ago. And um, uh, I'm the last of my friends to, <laughs> to go to this park. Um, but I'll give you a full rundown. I'll take some video footage and photos and uh, I'll share it. And um, we'll get the inside scoop. And I can finally give my honest um, opinion on this park and not just my speculated, um, recycled thoughts that I hear from other people. Um, and I'll let you know what I buy, too. I'll post some photos of what I get. But in addition, I'm also going to a Halo convention this weekend. Just a little tie back into that Mandalorian thing that I mentioned. But uh, that's it for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I'm, I'm so excited about this movie, which is only a couple months away. Was it four months away? October, November, September, October, November, December. Yeah, it's four months away. Um, yeah, uh, hit me up on Twitter, on Instagram, on uh on Patreon, on YouTube, on uh, email, whatever you want. Everything is at Hontalks First. Um, I think Instagram is Hontalks First Podcast, but you'll find it. I'm the only one. It's just me, Han. So, and use the hashtag Hontalks First if you want to hit me up and have a conversation. I um, I want to do more involvement stuff like that. Um, get onto other podcasts too, and uh, just talk some more Star Wars. But um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, it's been a it's been a privilege. Happy Monday. Uh, don't go too crazy this week. Uh, somehow, some way, somewhere this week, may the force 
be with you.